Hey everyone, it is episode 332 of This Is Whole Life, and today we are in number three, we did get that right, of our <laughs> <laughs> Great Question series, and this one was called Uncomfortable with the Comforter. Of course, this was supposed to be two weeks ago, then Hurricane Ian just couldn't be persuaded to just go out into the Atlantic and have some fun. No, had to come to Florida. Stranded some of us in California. It forced Ken to put together a different message. So we're getting back to it, and we're just you know here to say that we are not trying to get away from talking about the Holy Spirit, even though, was it really true, Ken, that uh, as you looked back through your sermon archives, that it really had only been on, you could count on one hand, the number of times you spoke just specifically. Just specifically about the Holy Spirit, yeah. Is that, was that true? So Three. The idea that maybe it's we don't talk about it, we it's really true, at least yeah. for yourself. And I, I think it's for everyone, because I, I I can't tell you that I've ever heard a sermon where it's like, we're going to investigate the Holy Spirit today. Sit down and let's get to it. It's always been a part of, but not yeah. it. Yeah. Totally. Well, and I, I was kind of wondering, I, I haven't done this, but I don't, I don't. I don't even know that I've actually preached. I'm not sure if I've preached a whole sermon on just like God the Father. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know if I've done that. Huh. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, the, the thing is you you re- I reference the the Trinity, oh, I yeah. reference the Holy Spirit and reference God reference God the Father, but actual sermons and, and I think um you know, from the number of questions we got and the interaction that we had, I I feel like like I said, I feel a little guilty. I feel like there's maybe a little bit of a desert there that uh, that I didn't even think about that, that I was like, wow, that, you know, but it's not like you're saying, well, I better not preach on the oh, Holy no, Spirit of, of God the Father. It's of just course not. not. Just, it was just, I don't know if it's uh, something I just kind of took for granted. It's just something that, you know, I mean, everybody yeah. everybody gets that, right? Well, I, I, I don't think that, um, I mean, it is sort of the idea that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right. I kind of think Jesus kind of. Yeah. Shorten it up for us all, but maybe if we've seen him, we've also seen the Spirit too. So I believe that, yeah. I, and that's and yeah. that's the part that I don't. I I am from the opinion that if you don't completely understand how the Holy Spirit works, well, Jesus said you can't really understand that. Yeah. And if and I'm not one that believes you have to pray specifically to the Father or to the Son or to the Holy Spirit that that the Holy Spirit only hears these prayers, and Jesus only hears those prayers, and the Father only hears... I think you pray to one, you're praying to all three, because they are one. They are one. Yeah. So, but I want to stop you right there, because I thought, and and we know it, and that I don't think that's a secret, but to say it when someone specifically asks a question about, well... How do you pray to the Holy Spirit? How do you pray to mm-hmm. Jesus? How do you, I mean? And I mean, I've never heard anyone say "Dear Holy Spirit." Yeah. Or you know, uh, people start prayers with the Heavenly uh, Father, Heavenly Dear Jesus, Jesus. Never, Dear yeah, Holy Spirit, Dear Holy Spirit. So to, for you to say that when you said it on on Saturday morning, I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah. And and we know that the Spirit hears that when we can't yeah. pray to the Father, the Spirit will give us the words. And knows our hearts and will give the words to and bring them to the feet of God. But that doesn't, it still doesn't always equate to like, oh, if you, yeah, they're a trinity. It's the, but that's confusing, I guess, maybe in its own way to someone. But that really was, I really thought for me, that was a, that was a comfort, even though it should be like, well, one plus one plus one equals three. We should know this and this should be obvious, but for maybe for the same reason as 
I don't sit and think of maybe I should preach a sermon on God the Father. We don't always equate it. The one thing that I really liked, uh, John Monday did the Q&A. Tell me the one thing you really liked. I liked the fact that it was towards the end of your time up front with John. And he just said, you know, there's, I think, I hope you guys go into more detail in the podcast this week about people that are still truly frightened that they will, what do you say, unknowingly commit the unpardonable sin, push the Holy Spirit away and then not be able to come back. And I thought, you know, and, and we, you know, jokingly a little bit before we started recording, Ken and I had were talking about how growing up, you know, there's things that if, well, how do I know if I, if I committed this, if I committed this and I can't come back, you know, as a kid, you think, <laughs> well, maybe I should be living a, a crazier life than I am because if I did and I can't, and, and maybe there's some hyperbole there, but in the same way, uh, the, the not having the confidence of just knowing that you haven't, and I think your your explanation of are you worried about it? Then, then you haven't. <laughs> then, then you haven't. And again, it, it, that falls under to me just the category of well, duh. But it doesn't seem obvious, and when you're in that alone part, it, maybe you're just whatever you're going through, and you think, man, maybe. Maybe I don't really know what I'm doing with this Holy Spirit thing, and so maybe I have, and I don't, and I don't know it. That's a scary place to be. I yeah. think there's, I think there's still people there. There's a ton of people there. There are people who every day live in fear that they have done the final mm. thing to make God angry at them, and God will not take them back again. I think we should all have a healthy desire to please God, because when we love somebody, like Jesus said, we want to do the things that are pleasing to them. But it's it's a little disturbing that we would treat God like he loves us less than our than than the best parents here on earth. <laughs> you know, the best parents here on there's there's plenty of not so great parents sure. that are quick to let their kids go. So I don't want to but the best parents here on earth, and we all kind of intuitively understand this, the best parents here on earth go overboard for their kids. They are, they, you know, their kids, anytime their kids want to come home, they want them to come home. And and I think that when we look at the story of, of the son, the runaway son, who leaves home, takes, squanders the family riches, if we take the, that and we understand that, that Jesus is, is making that father God— you know, when 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 that son who squandered everything, he's not really even sorry for what he did. He's just sorry for the predicament he finds himself in. <laughs> and he's come up with a really clever, well, I don't need to be, you know, your son anymore, but just let me be a servant so I don't starve to death, basically. When he's a long way off, the father sees him. He runs to him. He wraps his arms around him, and the son starts to try to blurt the thing out. Dad interrupts him and says, no, no, no. Here's, here's the family, you know, here's some nice clothing, and here's the family credit card that has no limit that's that's the signet ring and and he didn't there was no hey have you have you reformed yourself let's go ahead and see how you perform for the next year before i go ahead and decide what you know let's go ahead and let's have you work as a servant for a year and then we'll go ahead and decide so that's the part i just want you to remember if that if if that's the way jesus is modeling it then you have to know that if if you have grieved the holy spirit if you have done if you've not followed what the holy spirit wanted you to do and you want to come home, that Holy Spirit is working on your heart. You can know it, and, and you can know that Dad wants you home. 
Yeah. Dad wants you home and you don't need to live in fear. And, and I, I think it's a good thing again for us to think that in terms of what can we do to please God? Because the things that please God are actually the things that make our life better. Better, yeah, for um, sure. So anyway, that's a great analogy. With them, it's one of my favorite stories of the <laughs> of the Bible, and I think that uh, that works out really, really well. Well, I think we get caught up in that so much is, and we we miss we miss the opportunity. Uh, because of some of the fear within ourselves. And it's not really grieving the Holy Spirit as much as we're grieving the older brother. Because we always, <laughs> we're always thinking that that's the person that we've, you know, that we've yeah, got to match boy, up to. Boy, is that good, Jeff. Put mm. that on a bumper sticker. There you go. You haven't grieved the spirit. You've grieved the older brother. Man, I love we, that. We really have to get. We That's really. Gold. We really have to get a, a swag site open for whole life Something. church because I mean we're coming up with gold all the time that just yeah. needs to be out there. That is though. We'll have to keep keep that one in mind. Don't don't let us lose that one. I don't want to take too long because we have a ton of questions to get to. But one of the questions that I came up that that just kind of pestered me through the message was. What changes about how God interacts with his people when you look at the Old Testament before the Comforter is sent? Jesus has to come and complete his earthly ministry, and then the Comforter is sent. Why then? And then why why afterwards? What really changes between God? Is it the way that he's doing covenants? Is it the way that he's empowering people differently? Because we look at the Old Testament, and you see people that did a lot of great things without the Comforter. So what what really was the difference maker, and is that something we can see in ourselves? Paul says that through the cross, Christ reconciled us to God. And so the, the what I take that to mean okay. is that Adam and Eve made a decision on behalf of the whole human race. They said, hey, we're going to do things ourselves. We're mm. going to follow the ruler of this world that I talked about a little bit in the sermon. That's yep. that you know, we're going to believe what Satan has to say that selfishness is best. Look out for yourself, and God's kind of not to be trusted. And so we were under the the kingdom. We're going to be talking about kingdom a little bit this next Sabbath. But up until Christ, we were we were under the kingdom of the ruler of this world. That would be over Lucifer, Satan. And um, it wasn't that people couldn't have a relationship with God because they did, and they did it by faith, the same way that we do it today. But up until that point, there was no guarantee that that that, that, that faith would pay off because a price had to be paid. Mm. And, and Christ came, he did what the first Adam couldn't do, um, or chose not to do. Chose, yeah. And he lived that life of perfection. In fact, he did it better than Adam because Adam only had one tree in the middle of a garden. He had, and and Christ had an entire world of temptation around him, and yet he never sinned. And by doing that, he reconciled us back to the Father, meaning that that we now belong to Him. And because if you choose now to be born again into into a new kingdom. That means that you've given God not permission just to walk beside you, but now you have given God permission to be in you. And so God moved from being in a temple to now being in us because we've been redeemed, we've been purchased, and so he He has that permission to live inside of us, and that's um, mm. 
I think it's probably a lot more complicated than that, but that's the best job I'm going to be able to do for you. Jeff, anything to add? I do think that there's a, there's always a, a looking forward. Whenever you look at the the Old Testament, you see this um, this promise of what is to come, and I and I think the Holy, you know, I I, I would. I would hate to limit how men and and how we as humans understand God, but <laughs> yeah. um, it you know we we actually have a, a bit of a, an idea that Jesus was with God or Jesus was the Creator when you know we even don't we don't see Jesus' name in the Old Testament, but uh, you know I I would have a hard time thinking that the Holy Spirit was not active at all um, yeah. for oh yeah absolutely three four thousand five however you know long we want to continue that that line, but um, I think that God works together in relationship on all those things. How that happened is a mystery to us, but I agree with Ken. I think that there was this pointing forward to how God was going to be in us. Yeah. And I don't think that concept could be grasped uh, maybe early on. Um, but so the I Holy think one Spirit of the cool things, active. if you think about this, um, we're told that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with, with us. us. But then Jesus says, God will be, be. in you through the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was with us and is with us, and the Holy Spirit now is in us. And I think that's, um, it's the core of who God always was. Just when, just going back to the Old Testament, you think about um, the Old Testament sanctuary that, that Moses set up out in the desert, and then eventually, when you look at where God placed that sanctuary, it was in the dead center of the camp. It wasn't off to one side. It wasn't, it was, it was in the dead center. And and the point that God was trying to make then, and he's still wanting us to get a hold of now, is God wants to not be a periphery in our life. He wants to be in the center, the midst, the, the very core of who we are. And there is nothing more core than allowing God to be in your mind. And and by the way, just kind of one of the coolest things, Paul talks about this. Firstly, we know that the Holy Spirit is how Mary got pregnant with Jesus. We also know that the Bible says that it was the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And Paul says, don't you know that the very same Spirit that raised rose Christ from the dead lives in you? Mm. Think about that. Think about that for just a second. What that can, I mean, I don't know how many dead people you've seen raised for, to life. I haven't seen any. But can you imagine, you have the same power inside of you, living in you, the Holy Spirit living in you, that same power that could bring Jesus back from the dead, again, and you have to know that Satan did not want Jesus to come yeah, back no, from the for dead, sure. yeah. but the same power that was able to bring Jesus back from the dead lives in you, which tells you that there is nothing that you can't overcome and accomplish with that power living in your life. And that's that this is not and by the way I'm not talking about getting rich and having everything you want in life. I'm talking about the kingdom of God Bummer. which we're going to talk about next week. You just took away my next question. Sorry. Thought I was going <laughs> to see if this was the easy way out. No. Um but but speaking of 
spiritual gifts and the power that the Holy Spirit has in all these things. And you read about the, there was a you know fire in the room above mm-hmm. them when the Holy Spirit was given to them and they start speaking in tongues and they are able to communicate among, across language barriers. And you think to yourself, that must have been a pretty amazing place to be in and to experience. And you have this power, like you just said, that's still inside of us. How do we harness that power or do we know what to do with it? Do we have an instruction manual? Is there, you know, we're worried about whether or not we have it. So let's say we've moved past that and we go, okay, I believe you can. I have it, but I can't raise my dead cat from, you know, this, or I can't do anything. I can't move a jar across the table. I don't know, whatever you want to power you want for good and we don't see those or are we not looking in the right places to 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 see the the fruit like you said when you have the spiritual gifts the the fruit is what those gifts produce so how do we know like when do we see that come and go i have the power of the spirit well yeah see <laughs> i i do think you know lots of people ask about that matter of fact we just had a a little get together at our house and somebody said the same thing they said <laughs> how do i how do i know if I have the spirit inside of me that I can, and you know, the, the fruits are pretty, they're pretty evident fruits, love, joy, kindness, meekness. You know, as you go down, we always think in terms of, okay, I can't raise my cat, but I, (laughs) but how have I been doing on kindness today? (laughs) How have I been doing on treating somebody with mercy? And that's one that you could actually do a pretty good job of understanding. So I, I think, you know. And love today might, so maybe be, your might be a superpower. Maybe better off. I'm just saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think, you know, just to, to Jesus' metaphor, how do you harness the wind? Yeah. You build a windmill. Mm. And one of the things that you can't control is when that wind is going to come along and move the windmill. But what you can do is set up that windmill so that when the wind does come along, it catches it. And so if we're going to transfer that metaphor over to our spiritual lives, one of the things that we can do is cultivate a prayer life and a willingness to allow God to move in our life, a, a permission. And I know some people feel, it's been odd to me, that people feel uncomfortable giving God permission to live in their life. It's like, well, God can do whatever he wants. Yeah, he can, but God is respects our individual freedom. And that's why permission giving God permission matters in my opinion. I think that you that God doesn't doesn't take it I think that one of the most corrupting things in humanity is force. And God the Bible tells us love does not seek its own way or force itself. And God doesn't force himself, which means that you need to tell God you have my permission to do what you want to do in my life. And I can just tell you from personal experience, you start doing that, life becomes very interesting because God does some things in your life that you'll you'll be you'll love. You'll be like, this is amazing. I can see God working. And then he'll allow other things in your life that you're like, oh, I'm on it. This is a scary roller coaster. Um, but you start giving God permission daily. Just it's the the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. May your will be done on earth mm-hmm. as it is on heaven. You start doing that. May your will be done in my life today the same way it's done in heaven, which is perfectly, by the way. 
yeah. incredible things will happen. So that's setting up the windmill in my, and then where the wind blows and when it blows, it's completely up to the wind. It's not your job to turn the, 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 the gears it, on yeah. the thing. It's not your job. You don't see, you know, Jesus talks about the fruit of the spirit. You don't see an apple tree seen out in your yard going, oh, come on, come on out, fruit, come on. I mean, it happens in due season. And there are some seasons where no fruit gets produced. There's years that go by that sometimes uh, a tree won't bear fruit, even though you think it should, and then a year or two later it does. And so the point is, you got to give God control, the Holy Spirit control, to produce the fruit when the Holy Spirit wants to, how the Holy Spirit wants to. And it's it's not a matter of, of me trying harder. Um, it's a, it's a, to me, it's a matter of surrender. Mm. Ouch. Permission, do, I, yeah, for whatever reason, permission does seem to, <laughs> a little odd when you think of God doing that. But also, if you want something from someone that you care about or that you love, you, you would ask if yeah. that's, if that's a, something you need. So why wouldn't you ask that of God? Yep. That makes perfect yeah. sense. I mean. I resonate with Ken's comment about force and, and oppression too. Yeah. Is that we, you know, we really truly uh, have a hard time with that piece. We get annoyed when, <laughs> you know, yeah. it doesn't go the way we, we think it should go or the way we wanted it to go. And then when we feel like, you know, we're, we're walking through life uh, feeling good, um, we, we think we did that, you know, all of a sudden we think, well, we were part of that. Yeah. But in the whole scheme of things, I think that we do better when we allow the wind to be the wind. Yeah. And we just do things and we set our sails up when we see the wind coming. We go, yeah, I can do that. I can, I can move with this, but I can also find time to stand still. And that's important too. Yeah. And that's the part that God says, wait on me. Let let me take care of it. So I think all in all, what uh, people might say about this question, this question about, you know, is the Holy Spirit in me? Wait and see, because um, if you are waiting on God, then you will understand how the Holy Spirit will work. Yeah. And that can be, I mean, it can be hard to wait, but also I think too, is to be open to things, even if they're uncomfortable. And m- most often, whatever it is that you thought was going to be uncomfortable or right. or maybe not so pleasant or whatever that he's asking you to do. Oftentimes it really works out better in the long run, even in the short run. It's like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. And well, our, our, I shouldn't say wait. I, we Whenever I say wait, that means like we're not doing anything. Yeah. Waiting yeah. is, in God's mind, is building your windmill, really, yeah. is what it is. Yep. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I like that. All right. Well, if you watched the message this week, which I would encourage you to do, you can swipe up in today's show notes and you will find a link to Speaking of Grace, which is our sister podcast, which is the message and the Q&A from the post-message response. And this week, John Monday, our executive pastor, drew the short straw and was <laughs> hanging out with Ken oh, on stage. Stop it. <laughs> he, he won the lottery. What are you talking oh, about? Oh, right, right. He won the, the lottery. The, yeah, he did. That was You're right. We, uh, we auctioned these off it's, it's, <laughs> to raise money. That's right. And so get yours today. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. First question, and this was the one John teased with on the way out and said, if you want to hear Ken's response, you're going to have to listen to the podcast. <laughs> and here's the question. In some places, a feminine word is used that is translated Holy Spirit. We know that both men and women were made in God's image. So 
Why does it seem that people are nervous about referring to God in the feminine? Hmm. What a good question, Jeff. <laughs> Don't you think, Jeff? Yeah. You think that was a good question, Jeff? Yeah. You know, we could probably start using feminine pronouns for the whole thing, right? It doesn't matter. Why are we, we why are we so worried, right? <laughs> I think people get caught up in those those pronouns a lot more than they sure. probably need to be. Cause I don't think God takes offense when he's referred to any any of his, you know, he's trying to help us understand it. But I, I understand the nature of the question. Um I was just thinking that 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 person who asked that yeah. question, what a good person, right? What a great person. Yeah. I, just, I thought Jeff would probably think that person was a pretty I think great it's person. a good person. Yeah. 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 So I'm anyway, sure. I, I'm not gonna say who wrote it because Yeah. <laughs> because well, here's what I'd say to it. Firstly, absolutely correct. There are a number of places in the Bible where the Holy Spirit is return, referred to in the feminine. And I think that one of the things that, that is, is humanity, if I were to ask you to think about what it would be like to have no beginning, and then to think about having no end, it would be very hard for you to wrap your mind around what that would look like and how that would be. The Bible tells us God is spirit. That means that he's neither male nor female. It, and I just said he. <laughs> but because that is baked into us. It, because sounds, it sounds bad. It is because here on earth, we have been accustomed up until recently to hearing in society uh, binary terms, so male and female. And I know that's a big hot button right now about, about you know, other pronouns and things like that. But I think what most of us can agree on is that in the past, for sure, male and female were the the two words. They're, they're very distinctive. And the Bible, which is very patriarchal in, in its writing, in its authors, set men as kind of in a, in a position of authority. Well, not just that. Even in the Greek, there's male and female. There's male and female. Okay, our second question is, what discomfort has the Holy Spirit brought to you personally? Um, being a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in, in, in all seriousness, this was not like a, the direction I thought I was going to go with my life. And um, back, you know, all those years ago on Guam, we, we kind of came to a crisis point where we realized we needed to be doing what God wanted us to be doing and allowing the Holy Spirit to move in our life the way the Holy Spirit wanted to. And it's been an ongoing journey for me to continue to give the Holy Spirit permission to do in my life what the Holy Spirit wants to do in my life. And I'm grateful. I, I love being a pastor. And I'm glad that that's the direction that the Holy Spirit's taken me, but it isn't the way that was the comfortable way for me. <laughs> and it hasn't been a, a comfortable ride. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I would say for us when Emily was born it was completely discomforting just and in a lot of ways it still is in 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 that journey but again it's that continually you either have to be an advocate and you have to you know be that person or you just feel like you're failing. And so it's not always comfortable or easy but it's definitely changed our lives for the better even though it's not always comfortable. So I guess even though the comfort doesn't always come from the comforter <laughs> in the way we would want it, the person that you've become, as you talk about the growth this week that we you talked about and that you see the fruit of what that growth brings. And I'm a, I'm a lot better person than I was 
12 years ago when she was born. And I think most people that know her or are close to her would say the same. Yeah. 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 I, I, I do think personally there's, there's so much right now that, you know, that you could, that I look at and I go, wow. Because I can look back now yeah. and see a lot of things that were extremely uncomfortable that the Holy Spirit had brought me through personally. I'm at a point now in my life where I look back at those things and I realize how much of a blessing they are. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And uh, so, you know, in, in my in my experience, it feels good to know the Holy Spirit actually was, was doing was some doing of that. Yeah. Then. yeah. Camille wants to know, she said, it is so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day. How do we ensure that we stay connected with the Holy Spirit outside of the temple walls? Hmm. <laughs> I think that comes down, and it sounds so cliche, but they're just, it's, you know, if you're asking how to lose weight, the answer is diet and exercise. I mean, and and if you're asking how to, to ensure the Holy Spirit's in your life, it's it's prayer. Hmm. It's 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 prayer, 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 and and time with God, um, uh, some time in the Word, but uh, opening yourself up in prayer to the Holy Spirit and giving the Holy Spirit that permission uh, to to be in your life, and and asking the Holy Spirit to give you the good gifts that uh, that you may not realize are good gifts. So, if this was a movie, we could call it permission, uncomfortable. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, I, I do, you know, she mentioned outside the temple walls, which is an interesting concept as if there was something inside here that um, creates a level of safety. Sometimes I've noticed that even inside the temple walls, you have to wear a hard hat too. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I think it's important that you know, we are true to ourselves and we are very, very, you know, I always say self-awareness is a, yeah. is a really good trait. And I think sometimes, you know, when, when the Bible says pray without ceasing, I think that just means literally know that it's not all about you. Mm. Oh, so. I like that. Okay. Julio wants to know, why don't we see a lot of healer gifts these days? Mm. Maybe I would say even outside. I think the... Julio actually came up to me and asked me that after. The, did he? The, oh, did he? And, which I love it. I love it when people come and t- chat with me afterwards. So you're always welcome to do that. And if I have to run off to teach a Sabbath school class, <laughs> forgive me for that. But um, yeah, I shared that my perspective on that is that I believe God gives gifts as they're needed. And I think that mm. our, our medical situation is considerably different today than it was 2,000 years ago. And I find it um, sometimes troubling when I have friends and f- church members who will tell me, well, I'm just praying about this medical condition. And I said, well, you, you ought to go see a doctor about that. Well, I just have faith that God can take care of that. And and I'm happy that they have faith that God can take care of that, but maybe the, the, what God is saying is go see your doctor. Maybe God's saying that's, you know, I've given you that blessing that's a resource I've given that doctor knowledge. I've given them wisdom. Use the resource that I put there. Don't tell me the resource that you want me to give you. Yeah. And so I think that it can. I don't think that there's. I don't. Th- I don't think it shows any lack of faith to be praying for healing and at the same time seeking healing from a medical professional or a mental health professional. And it's interesting mm-hmm. to me. Like, where I feel like we're more and more to the point where people will get medical help. But what I see repeatedly is people won't go get help 
uh, for for mental, mental health, health issues that they'll they'll oh well you know I'll just pray you know you you're not going to pray over the you know nine inch gash that you know where you, when you you got a stab when you're not going to pray over that you're going to go to the ER yeah and yet some people are walking around with nine inch gashes in their psyche that are every bit as debilitating and yet they're going to pray for that and not seek mental health professionals that can help them. And and I think that's important for us to use what God has placed. And I know that, again, that there's a concern sometimes about using medications. But again, I believe that God has put them there for a reason. Deep, deep inside of a Seventh-day Adventist theology um, is the, the idea that we, that we can rely on medical experts, doctors, therapists, that medication is okay if it's under the guidance of a professional, um, and and I think that's an important thing for us to remember. It's not it's not a lack of showing faith. It's having faith that God has put people and resources into your life to help you with those things, and you can still pray for outright healing. You can pray that you, that doesn't happen, and I encourage you to do it. And and yeah, seek the the professional help that's out there. Well, that's a good point. I think, you know, it's not like we have a hospital literally across the street from us. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's not like the pa- the pastors are coming, you know, they go over there. I've, I've listened to lots of stories where they just came out of an operation and they're praying and thanking God for the hands of the doctor yeah. who healed them. Exactly. Or basically or, yeah. did their... And, and the doctors are praying, right? Yeah, no, so, for sure. So it's hard for me to say that healing isn't going on, because I yeah. think it is going on. Yeah, yeah. I love that, Jeff. That's, a, that's such a good... Yeah, it's great. All right. So we have uh, Mariana Parente and Ellen each asked something along the same. So I'm going to ask Mariana's first. She asked, if speaking in tongues is one of the gifts of the Spirit, why don't we see that in corporate church? Is it only reserved to the Pentecostal church? And Ellen asked, what about speaking in languages today? So both both kind of coming at the same same thing. Jeff, no. Uh, is that, <laughs> this is an yeah, awkward one, though. It, yeah. This is a little bit of an awkward one, and the reason is, is because it's, you know, how sometimes, you know, in a family, you know, a, a, one of the children calls dibs on a certain, like, I'm the academic and I'm the sports, and I'm, you know, and it seems like Pentecostals have kind of called dibs on speaking in tongues, and so a lot of other denominations, like, hey, we don't want to have anything to do with no, that. Yeah. That's, and and then there's also um, a strong feeling amongst some that um, speaking in tongues is really only for translation type of purposes where there's a real need. In other words, where somebody really needs to to hear, and 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 so it's only reserved for that. That there isn't really a speaking in tongues for no other point than speaking in tongues. I have a hard time with that because if you read through the New Testament, you see people speaking in tongues, and Paul actually gives instructions for that. Um, he says, you know that uh, is somebody speaking in a heavenly language. Um, but then he also, and I think this is very crucial, when he says that somebody's speaking in tongues, he says, firstly, when you're in church, you should be able to control yourself and not be interrupting the service and, and creating distraction. Um, the other thing that he says is that if somebody is speaking in tongues, there should be somebody always there to translate what that person is saying. So why don't we speak in tongues? I don't know. I don't really have a great answer for it. I don't know if it's because it's not necessary as much or if it's because something that's overlooked. But speaking in tongues is one of the gifts of the Spirit. I'm, and, and I don't think, I think it's, 
it's disingenuous to act like it isn't. It is one of the gifts of the Spirit, um, and I believe that if God's given that gift to you, um, wow. What What is that gift, specifically? Because I, I think from what some people might think of what it is, I mean, is it truly translation? I mean, I've only been to one other church that it happened and I couldn't understand any of it. It didn't yeah. sound like it didn't sound like anything decipherable. And yet there was someone who afterwards said, you know, oh, you know, like great point. This was what was the 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 um the overall meaning of what was said. Yeah. So I, I just don't know how you define it for sure. In Adventist, I've never been anywhere where it's happened in an Adventist church. So I well, don't I I, I feel like I'm Adventists took a really strong position early on against a, a movement called the Holy Flesh Movement, um, which is basically uh, people basically saying that the Holy Spirit had had filled them and they were completely perfect, and they were doing all kinds of crazy things. They were running around naked in church. They were uh, banging and making all kinds of. It was there was no 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 attempt at harmo- harmony or har- harmonious sound. It was just a as as. Aunt Ellen said it was a bedlam of noise, and with, that's often used out of context of what was really going on. So Adventists reacted very strongly to that because it said, no, that that's not the Holy Spirit's working. And so we moved in the opposite direction. So what does speaking in tongues look like? I think it can be a speaking in a language that Randy speaks Portuguese and Ken speaks English, and there's a need for us to be able to understand each other. And so God gives that gift of languages at that moment, one person to speak, the other one to be able to understand. Mm-hmm. I also believe that it's possible that there is this heavenly language that God gives to certain people to speak for their own edification and and for perhaps the edification of others around them when it's when it's translated. I have never seen that happen in a way that I felt like was coming straight from God. I have been in places where I've seen it happen. It felt, for me, and this is going to be judgmental, it felt inauthentic in the in the circumstance that I was a part of. And, you know, God did give us discernment. <laughs> that was another gift of the Spirit, by the way. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know how we can, because there are times when you have watched not just somebody speak in tongues, but you've watched somebody appear healed on a you know a TV screen. I was going to say we especially in like in the mid to late 80s that was like televangelism yeah. was right. like tongues and healing in the same right. thing and you know I wasn't Yeah, those are all those are all things that you kind difficult. of you know how do we how do we put cuz some of it looks well some of it is a, in a sense abused as a marketing scheduled uh, event to you know, bring in money. And, you know, there has been misuse of a lot of these things. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that, that we don't have abuses in other areas too, Sure, but all I agree with Ken, I have not seen it to where it has been in our, in our day and age. I've not seen it where it has been highly effective um, for, you know, like say, for instance, when we saw the three thousand people brought in on the day of night of Pentecost, mm. where people were speaking. You know, they said, "Hey, they're speaking in my, my language. language." Yeah, yeah. Um, I've not seen that. I've not. Matter of fact, I don't know of any place that I've ever watched that actually happen. So, 
we've got different technologies now. We've got different ways of looking at it. Does the Holy Spirit Spirit still work and work in the lives of people through tongues? It is a gift that is mentioned in the Bible, but I don't. I I can't say that I've ever seen it. Yeah. Um, where I you know I could say okay, but then again, the Holy Spirit works beyond human comprehension too. So yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, we had a, a question from Ron, which um, I think we kind of already answered. Practically speaking, how do we access the Holy Spirit? Do we pray to Him, to God, to Jesus? And I, we think we went over that, and we uh, we agreed that we need to give God and Jesus the Holy Spirit and to permission to come in and, and ask them. And he had a follow-up which said, we have mind and conscience and what your parents told you to do. We have your thoughts. How do we know which one— <laughs> Is the Holy Spirit's voice? Are we holding on to those childhood do's and don'ts because we think that that might be the Holy Spirit reminding us of something our parents told us? Could that still be <laughs> That's true? That's a good question. You know, could it still be true? Or how do we know which one? Or if that was just like, hey, I really needed you to shape up back then. It was just your mom talking. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is the conscience? Right. Yeah. yeah. Which one is this? Which one is that still small voice of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. You know what? I think that sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks through mom. Yeah. Well, and, I wouldn't um, doubt it. And so, you know, for me, the test always comes down to what is... It says that every good gift comes from the Father above, and I think the Holy Spirit is the the bearer of those gifts. And so I think for me that the way you can know if it's coming from the Holy Spirit versus a person is to... is to see how it matches up with the Bible is one. Um, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, um, does it match up with those things? Is, is it loving? Is it kind? But in a more practical sense, um, I think I shared briefly during second service that Rochelle and I, um, at one point in our life, we were trying to make a decision to buy our first home, and we were between two homes. One was a, a much bigger space, and the other one was smaller, and we were we had we had Kyla, Eric was on the way. We prayed about it and we both felt impressed that we needed to go with the smaller place. But we didn't like the smaller place. I didn't I didn't <laughs> I liked the bigger place a lot more. And I thought, you know what? That 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 feeling that I have, I'm not going to I, that's just I you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I think is the right thing. And I consulted the a couple people that I didn't necessarily think I wasn't getting spiritual advice from them. I was getting yeah. uh, oh. financial advice. And so we went with the bigger house. And lo and behold, about a year later, we moved. Um, <laughs> it also happened to be 2008. So the, the entire <laughs> oh. housing thing crashed. And to this day, I'm completely convinced if we bought that smaller house, that it, w- it was right at the very beginning of that crash. And I, I'm sure we would have been able to sell it and we wouldn't have lost what we what we did wind up losing eventually um, on that. And yet God was faithful through all of that. So was that God speaking to me? I do believe it was. I believe that there's moments in your life where you have a gut feeling or a sense of something. And again, how do you know? You know it the same way that you know your parent's voice or your child's mm-hmm. voice on a phone call. You just know because you, you have spent time with that person and you know what they sound like when they talk to you. And so if you haven't spent a whole lot of time with Jesus, 
um, people all the time will tell me, Jesus never talks to me. And I, I question that. I'm not trying to be rude or anything, but I, my question is, is Jesus not talking to you, or do you not recognize his voice when he's speaking to you? Because if you aren't spending time in the Bible, if you're not spending time with him, it can be hard to, to hear that voice. And I will say, lest you become discouraged, some of you are spending a lot of time in prayer and a lot of time reading the Bible, and you're having a hard time understanding whether it's Jesus' voice or not. And I have been, I am there, I have been there, and at those times, the only thing I can do is go with what I feel like God is telling me the right thing to do is, and I pray about it, and if God doesn't make it clear, I say, okay, God, I'm going to go in the direction that yeah. I think, because I'm not getting clear direction, but I always give you permission to close the door anytime you want, and I will yeah. go the other way, because um, I want to do things the way you want me to. And so far, so far for me, it's batting 100% on that one. It's when I don't ask, when I'm like, okay, I'm just going to make this decision on my own, Lord, please bless it, that it doesn't... Yeah. It, that if, <laughs> but when I say, yeah. God, hey, I don't, I'm not hearing you clearly, and I've got to make a decision, so this is what I'm going to do, but you feel free to shut me down. God has shut me down on a couple different occasions after sometimes I think God wants us to take a, a step off that that off the, you know yeah. mm-hmm. ledge of faith <laughs> and, and and not be able to see where you know where where you're stepping but God says just take that that faith and see what will happen so anyway that, yeah. that's my two cents no I like that because I think sometimes uh, my prayer is always like hey make it like put it on a two by four and just smack it right across the head. So when I look in the mirror, I can read what you, what you told me to do. Cause I will screw it up. Or, and if I'm doing, if I'm going the wrong way, like if this is completely off track, just, just slam the door and then I'll know like, Hey, well, we're not going that way. We still have two <laughs> options this way. We might not get perfect, but at least it wouldn't be the worst one, at least minimum. Okay. Max asked, is there a hierarchy of greatness between God, the father, the son and the Holy spirit? So, so this is like ranking is their hierarchy. Yeah, is this like ranking right. your fantasy football team? I mean, father has to go first, but the spirit's kind of the unknown. <laughs> and Jesus is the son, so he's got to be second, right? So the the interesting thing is that when Jesus was on here here on earth, it says that he submitted himself to the Father in heaven. Yeah. Mm. Um and so there's a lot of different directions you can go with that. Some people take that, that yes, there is an absolute hierarchy there. The other people say, well, that was while he was here on earth. Sure. Um, the, I think that the, if you believe that God is unselfish, okay, that if you believe that God is unselfish, then that automatically means that, that God has to submit to the, the, the three members of the Trinity have to submit to each other. Each other. Hmm. And perhaps um, what that looks like, I think, is probably a little bit like an ant trying to figure out what it means to construct a uh, large building. Um, but what I think we shouldn't get, I think, again, where we need to really be careful is some of this um, this theology that goes around that I'm in charge and you have to do what I say because I'm in charge. Remember, love doesn't seek its own way. When God asks us to do things, it's for our own good. When he puts obstacles in our way, it's to prevent us from hurting ourselves. And, and so when you look at God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, I believe you're looking at three eternal beings that are are so um, in sync with each other that they're one. And if you think about 
what it takes to achieve oneness. It's not one person dominating another person. That's two people. In order for you to have only one, you have to be in perfect harmony. You have to be, everybody has to be in submission to everybody else in that in that scenario. And that's what God is looking for in marriages as well. He's looking not for one person to dominate the other and say, this is what you've got to do, and you're going to do it my way because God made me in charge because I was fortunate to be born with this genitalia. Rather, God is, rather we are to be in perfect submission to each other, that we love each other, that we serve each other of love and not out of manipulation, control, and selfishness, which is why God gave, <laughs> one of the reasons, in my opinion, God gave us marriage, because we need some practice. <laughs> yeah, good point. I think yeah. that, um, I, I think that Jesus, when he speaks about his kingdom, it's completely different. When term, you know, hierarchy in human yeah. terms is different than hierarchy, you know. I think that the, I think that the Holy Spirit is last, you're right. But then Jesus says, the last shall be first. first. So Yeah. Yeah. So Nashville Tim, who is soon to be O-Town Tim, question for the pastor, and I think we covered it, but I wanted to, to make sure we caught it. Is it necessary to ask for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives each day? And yeah, yes. we talked about yeah. that. It is, yeah. and okay. uh, we are going to request it. And I think sometimes there's this like, well, it's a one, is it a one-time baptism? Yeah. And, and the answer is, it is a one-time baptism, and yet we are asking for that renewal every yeah. day. Nothing wrong with that. Okay, so as we start to close, Ken said something really cool, in, in a, I, I don't even know if it was planned, but uh, it, and it was not at the end of his message. He said, God uses the most unqualified people to say, hey, look what I can do. <laughs> and I thought if there's anything we get out of this, you know, don't worry about where, you know, like John had mentioned that people are worried about, you know, did we com- did we commit the unpardonable? Can we go back? Is to trust and just keep asking and giving permission for the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and let God be able to say, hey, look what I can do. Or for the three, if there's not a hierarchy, look what the three of us can do in our lives. And I think that's super important. Okay. Next week is our great question, which is going on number four. And the question is, what is the kingdom of God? Jesus says it is like, and then tells a parable. Scripture says it's in you, it's among us, it's coming, and it's here. So what does Jesus mean when he says the kingdom of God? All that and hopefully another 12 questions from y'all from the message to find out more because that's why we do this. It's super super fun. It's super more fun yeah. when you guys are asking questions. So thanks for uh, being so engaged and for sharing the podcast. And uh, we'll see you guys see all next, next week. week. Have a great week.